Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Are you like the fighters? <laughs> I like it. There? I like that. Like the fighters. Yeah, like the fighters. Like the action. I got, I got an email from somebody. They're like, I really like your Light the Night podcast. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but cute and funny <laughs> at the same time. Uh, anyway. That's something you probably would email someone. I know. Like, right. that's, it's, oh, yeah. But what I meant. You're like the night. I mean, wait. <laughs> What's it called? Hey, you guys, I'm back. Welcome back, Heidi. Yeah, we're Welcome all back. back. <laughs> and a little clarification. Uh, last week, I was not available and it wasn't all in Heidi. I said, she has this conference, whatever, but technically it was our technical difficulties. Oh, that my gosh. Had nothing to do with our podcast that made it. So me and our producer were running around. And we pulled it off, so now we're now we're doing all better. Everything actually, back to I super liked it. I super liked the podcast last week. For those of you who doesn't don't know, like right now, um, David has been doing this really cool live course at Harriman High. So number one, huge props to the administration at Harriman High because you know, as if they don't already have enough crap to deal with in their life, but they're like doing these parent nights and, um, and it's, it's, it's work. So anyway, David's been working on this, um, parent teen agreement course. And, you know, if you guys have been listening for a long time, you kind of have heard us talk about it. This is the topic of what the Ted talk was and it's a life changing thing. So he talked about this really nicely and clear, clearly last week. So I, I think the more times that we can hear it, this is actually something that I haven't done. And the more, so at first I kind of thought, okay, if you have a kid in crisis, this is what you do. But actually I've realized that it's just good, like safety. You know, it's, yeah. it's had me thinking um, there are extreme cases for the parenting agreement, but there's also just like clarification, understanding it might even work, maybe not all official in in a marriage relationship, yeah. you know, where sometimes when your roles don't get defined or when there becomes kind of some of those, you know, tip for tap situations, um, creating an agreement is just really effective. And so I've just, I was there last night when you were at Harriman um, talking about it and just the breakdown was very clear and concise. It got me thinking about some different things. And so um, anyway, it's been good for me to be to kind of be a listener. Well, thank you, Heidi. And yeah, you're right. The agreement was, I, I discovered it throughout the years working with kids who were, had really bad situations with their families. Um, but then those people usually had kids that didn't have those kinds of issues. And like unknowing to me, they just started doing their own modified version of it with their kids who didn't have major behavioral problems and then reported how amazing it works just 
to keep their kids motivated, incentivized, and moving towards some sort of goal or initiative. Kids can sometimes start to feel like they're being taken advantage of if they're yeah. always having to babysit or they're always, you know, having to do things. And so I think it's just a great way to acknowledge this a symbiotic relationship. And it really forces the parent, you're right, and it really forces the parent to get their house in order. Because what we're referring to, and we talk about this in our Light the Fight workshops, is something that I discovered a long time ago is just approaching your family like it's a business. And we talked about that last week. And uh, I mean, if, if we're to be totally honest, if you look at your family and say, if my family was a business and their their job is to make money and you know stuff like that, and really making money, just raising good kids or kids that you don't want to kill. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, if you look at your family business, say, well, what type of business, like, like, would we be really successful? Would we be barely holding on? And I think most people started their family business, not realizing that it was a business. So they didn't plan for, for measuring goals. They didn't, they're living like, okay, you have to get the kids to school at this time. You have to do this. So it's more like week to week, with a couple lofty goals for the future. Well, and here's what happens, and this is what happens in our family, is that you have some kids that are natural contributors. Yeah. That step up to the plate, that feel that responsibility kind of naturally. And then you have some kids that just, they don't. They don't pick they, up on the like cues. Like what's in it for them. Right. Like they, it's, it's all just, about what's in it for them. And um, that breeds some resentment, yeah. right? And sometimes we as parents raising my hand here, we get so busy that we allow the kid that naturally asserts and takes responsibility to 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 be that. And the kid that doesn't, we allow them to be that. And it creates some divides and then some natural consequences. And so it's just had me thinking about little things like we have a, a laundry schedule now. <laughs> and Quite frankly, when somebody messes up the laundry schedule, it throws everybody. <laughs> you yeah. know, so little things like that, even just establishing the conversation and maybe it's not as official as like the parenting agreement. It's just it's just some business practices. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at your family and you, and you realize that your family isn't wouldn't be a successful profit turning business, then you're going to have to create some new systems. And the parenting uh, partnership agreement is just one system they create, but it does give a lot of accountability to the parents and, and they're going to have to, as you parents do these agreements or at least do your own version of it in some way, you're going to find out that just like any good company, the company reflects the leadership. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and, and if the company is not successful, you know, just like any major sports team, it's like who gets fired? The head coach? Yeah. It's yeah. it starts and stops with the head coach. And the same thing with the parents. And just a little simple reminder, if you think that's not fair, it's because it's not. Parenting is not like parenting and fair shouldn't be in the same sentence. Right. And like, I like that you I like that you established that. Say that one more time, what you what you said in the, at the event last night. I said if you wanted things in your life to be fair, you shouldn't have kids. Amen. Because kids is the definition of one, not being fair because everything is required for you to do for them. And all you are asking of them and back is mutual respect, responding and working with you. And that, that's, that's just not fair because you are doing everything for them their whole entire life. By the time they start to really do things for you specifically and thoughtful, they're an adult. You put so much time and investment in that. If you're thinking that there's going to be a quick return on that investment, 
just not realistic. It doesn't mean that you can't expect your kids to get good grades and perform. It just means you can't, well, it's not helpful to go into any negotiation or agreement thinking that in order for this to work, you have to get everything you want and they have to do it. Because I wouldn't work for that company. Right. So anyways, that's, you know, we'll be talking more about that in the future, but I'm just glad Heidi could show up for a few minutes. And, you know, she said a couple of nice words. And that was, that was really great. We really appreciate that. And I always like any sort of testimony from people that, you know, can just say, Hey, listen, I have experience or I know family members or people that have, and here's what, here's what's happened with them. So appreciate well, that. Well, we're going to go on and talk about maybe how things aren't fair even a little bit more yeah. in this particular episode. <laughs> but before we do, let's talk about teencounseling.com. Yeah, teencounseling.com. If you haven't been uh, up to date on our um, episodes for past few months now, we've taken on a very strategic partnership with a company that um, provides online counseling. Um, just imagine your FaceTime app, if you have a, a cell phone, uh, an Apple phone, and uh, you're able to have your kids um, be able to get your teenagers from 13 to 19 be able to get counseling from a therapist that's matched up for your needs, their professional background, and you get communicated within the 24 hours of you reaching out to them. Once they get you matched up with the right therapist, you get started on the process. If by any um, way, shape, or form that it just doesn't seem like it's a good fit, you can change at any particular time. Um, it really cuts through a lot of the major barriers to getting teenagers to counseling is the physical aspect of having the painful drive to get them there. <laughs> then sitting in the lobby. And if it's like me, I'm always running late so that they got to sit there and like <laughs> in the room with the parent and the person who they're angry at or upset with. So you now teencounseling.com with the online technology that we have access to us now in 2019, they've built a very great platform uh, with their better help counseling for adults, now teen counseling um, for teenagers. And if you go to teencounseling.com backslash LTF, you can get a 10% discount on your very first month and I'm telling you guys, if you've had a lot of resistance or barriers to getting into counseling, start here. I have a hard time giving referrals to people. Um, and you know, obviously, I it's hard for me to give a referral because I'm really picky. And so uh, this gives a great opportunity for you don't have to trust on my referral and other people's referrals. You get to see what the qualifications and try it out yourself. Mostly in therapy, it's such a long process that you don't want to keep on trying new therapists. And I wouldn't suggest that. But if you need to try a new therapist, I don't like it when people just stay with someone simply because they don't want to start over, even though they know it's not a good match for them. So teencounseling.com backslash LTF. doesn't cost you anything to go there and just kind of get started. You'll kind of flick through the questionnaire, kind of see exactly what's going on. It explains it very clearly. Yep. Um, so if you're kind of feeling that pull, if you're curious, you can go right there on your phone and and click right through. Yep. It'll answer questions immediately. All right. And a big shout out to 1-800-CONTACTS, our big community sponsor for uh, you know just having our back and just helping us get this message out to you guys, the community and their sponsored events for uh, the communities that they host throughout the year and, and help us out with. So a big shout out to them. I still want to get a job there, kind of. So, Well, technically, so if you want a personal <laughs> chef, you'll need to get a job there. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> they provide you with your meals that you need. Yeah, so cool. Anyway, all right. I know all I right. always keep going back to that. No. It's, the, the food is just really, it is just really a problem for me. <laughs> I, I would like to work there just someone, so I could, when I get mad at someone, like, I need to go to yoga class. What time does it start? I know. So cool. <laughs> well, back to our regular schedule 
uh, program. We had the opportunity to speak at um, Pinner's conference uh, last Friday. And so we're going to give you a little update on that. But then our topic today really comes from that discussion. There's a common theme that a lot of people, it's interesting. Usually when we do events, there's all different types of questions, but there's always one overarching, like dun, dun, dun. Like this is the one thing that for some reason brought most of the people into the conference for. And again, at Pinners, it happened again. So why don't you just give a little, you know, what, what the experience was like. You know, it was my first experience. It's not Spinners. Pinners. <laughs> I, I did not know Pinners, Pinterest. I didn't, it did, took me a while to make that connection. So, yeah. So it's actually a good friend of mine um, that owns Pinners Conference. And um, I've done it a couple of years. It's been a couple of years since I've done it. And um, they were very gracious. In fact, they... Usually, I, I probably should be careful saying this, but usually you have to pay to um, to have a booth to present. And Pinners really wanted to provide some content um, to that audience that that I guess we fit. We kind of filled a hole. Well, if you've ever been on Pinterest, <laughs> there are a few things right? that revolve around families, the homes, recipes, ideas. How to make things look very Thanksgiving. Yes, Halloween. yes. So, relationships yeah. were, are, are a lot of things that people search for on Pinterest. Absolutely. So um, it was our, our pleasure and definitely honor yes. to go there and, to there and present. So we had a full class. And Dave and I talked a lot about what did we want, um, what did we want to present. And, you know, we... We have a few topics that we could touch on. We have a myriad of presentations that we could also give. And we both kind of felt like we wanted to give our listeners a chance to talk to us. So we're always talking to you guys, and you don't really get to choose what we talk about. You just get to listen, right? So we thought that it would be interesting just to sort of give people a chance to talk to us. Um, so imagine just a room full of about 170 moms. Um, There's a couple dads in there. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. They're good guys. Abs- absolutely. Um, and they didn't want to watch sports. <laughs> they just they were just there to carry the stuff their mo- their wives bought. They're carrying the torch, making That's sure <laughs> they could take good notes. <laughs> That's right. And so we kind of just we had a little introduction. Um, about the podcast, I really assumed everybody would know about us. That would maybe be why they would come to our class. Um, at the very end of the podcast, I had a bunch of people come up and say, what's the name of your podcast? I knew we were done speaking. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. apparently we never said the name of our podcast. We, we just, just think we're did, so big. We did some assumptions. Oops. Because we have 1,500 followers, we are just <laughs> we think we've arrived. So that's, that's our mistake. It was big enough for me. We well, you know what it was when we were walking in there. Heidi's used to this because she's very recognizable. She's been out on social media and on TV and stuff a lot. We walked in like before we got from the front door to that. We had like seven or eight people. Like, Heidi, Dave, we love your podcast. And I was sitting there going, and I was looking at you and looking at me. I'm like, we're not usually together walking <laughs> in a public situation. And it I was, was so funny. People were like, oh my gosh, they're there. And I was like, they're recognizing me or they're hearing the voice. And so I had to be reminded. Heidi's like, yeah, it's a thing. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> Not used to you know, my little micro celebrity status oh, amongst it was great. moms. It was great. So we went ahead and just said, hey, what are the things that you guys feel 
like you're struggling with. I think that's kind of how you um, coined it. And immediately, um, the very first question was about if you have one child that is really difficult, is causing, is demanding a lot of attention and energy from mom and dad, um, either because they're acting out or making bad decisions, in trouble all the time, being a bad example, any myriad of those things. The question was kind of like, how do I deal with the rest of my kids when I've got this one kid that's either like wagging the dog or sucking the life out of me. How do we run interference in between this kid influencing all the other kids? Here's what was interesting. There's a bunch of people had a similar- There was five questions that came up, felt like it was very- Pretty much the same I'm getting better at like seeing seeing the question inside the question because sometimes people, as a- as a freaking out mom, you don't really know what your your question is. <laughs> Hard to phrase Saying the question. your question the first time only helps you figure out first if that's the question and if it even makes sense out loud. Because in your mind, it makes a lot of sense. Oftentimes, Dave would be like, that's not your question. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and then say, oh, yeah, you're right. It wasn't my question. Because it's just the first couple of yeah. runs at it. And so we had a lot of parents that were trying to articulate the question. Um but that big overarching was, okay, we have a kid over here that takes all of our time, all of our attention, all of our resources. Then we have these kids over here. How do we give them credit and out of boys and out of girls for all the things they're achieving without making the one who's not really doing anything feel bad? And then how do we find strategic ways to help our kid who's barely having any wins in life, make them feel like they're having wins without pissing off the other kid saying, that's nothing. Like, right. They're like that. Like, I have to do twice as much, and you barely give me any credit for that. And they just turned in half their homework once, and now we want to like give them a gold star or something like that. And so, if you look at that question coming from different types of uh, family dynamic situations, it's a very common question to have, even if you don't have one child that's a horrible child. Just the simple fact that you have one child that isn't following suit with what you want them to do. Because if the owners of the company have the upper management using the same language, talking like them, acting out their initiative, then it's a whole lot easier for the people on the top of the company to go do other things. Incidentally, I'm going to say, sometimes it doesn't even have to be somebody acting out or misbehaving. It can just be really, really different strengths. You know, like you've got one kid that does really, really good at school. And one kid that hates school and maybe does really, really good at sports or something. So it's just yeah. kind of, I, I think what we wanted to do today is talk about. Well, let's focus on the more serious ones though. Cause th- that's what people like. Some yeah. kid, they said like one person, the kid has really bad ADHD and like anything, there's, there's levels to ADHD. There's, Oh, I can't pay attention in class a little bit to he's making sure nobody can pay attention in class. Right. And so their question was just that, how do we, how do we, you know, get this person over here, this kid over here to not have a negative influence on the other kids. Now, Heidi, do you remember kind of what, like there was a common thread in the way I was answering. There's one specific thing that even though their situation was different, 
I kept on trying to give a general answer so everybody would kind of pick up. But do you remember what that one thing was that I kept on saying over and over in just different ways that they have to do? I feel like this is a test, kind of. It is a test. I think I do. And see, I the first year and a half, let's see. she was talking. Let's see if I can do it. Or the first year she's talking. Last six months, she's <laughs> been learning. Listening. Now she's going to have to start processing. You mm -hmm. talked about the importance of really isolating those individuals. Yes! Absolutely. Now, why would we I isolate someone? Wouldn't well, that actually sometimes we talk about isolation the... being bad. Okay. We talk about isolation being bad. But in this case, creating one-on-one -on -one experiences, I think, is more what you were talking about. Like, not – sometimes you can't group parent. Yep. Well, and we've all made the mistake of um, criticizing, judging, scolding, disciplining – your problem child publicly in front of other children. Which and then is, what happens is the other children, they start to do it when you're not around. They start to throw zingers at that kid. And that kid, you know, obviously if they're the problem child, they probably don't have a problem with letting their other siblings have <laughs> it back. And so, you know, it's, it's hard when you have one person that's just that very polarizing. Public shaming. And that polarizing of person. And you feel since they're so aggressive and they're a bully in the family that you need to stand up to the bully. Can't tell you how many times dads that are twice the size of their children. I'm not going to let anyone talk to my wife like that. I'm going to stand up there. They're talking about their child as if their child is a real threat. <laughs> like to the actual like safety of the family. Emotionally, it feels that way, but think about this. Let's say you have an older child and the older child is the one that you're wanting to separate from the younger ones because the older one has a lot of the presenting issues and challenges. If it's an older child, for you to tell them their whole entire life, be a good example to your siblings, do this, help me. Their whole entire life, they know their worth and value is, are they going to help you get your things met and done? Because if they help you do that, then you, they're going to be in good favor with you. But as they become teenagers, they start to fall out of that glorified child phase. They start to turn into not being as cute. You say things that are it's offensive true. and angry and you get, you've gotten more trouble. You've scared your parents with more like life-threatening things. Maybe you snuck out at night or whatever it may be. And so then when it comes to you being a bad example in all those ways and it's being brought up to the, to the family and the other kids are seeing it, what parents don't recognize this moment, that is the best opportunity for you to partner with those troubled, with that troubled kid in your family. Okay, I, lo I love this. Here's, this, why this here's the, the best, nugget. Here's why this is the best opportunity. When you have a manager in your family or in your business, let's talk about a real business as a metaphor, for example. If you have a manager that has serious potential, they became a manager and they have a lot of trust with you because they do obviously a lot of good things. But this manager takes it upon themselves to act like they own the company. And they're quick to hijack it whenever they feel like it. And they don't ask permission to do or say much. They just kind of do it. And then you're trying to pick up the pieces and all the, domino, you know, all the dominoes fall and you're stressed out and angry because if this child would have just went along with the plan, then you wouldn't have to do the damage control. But here's what this manager and this child is telling you. Oftentimes, the owner of the company gives all the attention to the customer and they don't give the attention to the management team. Hmm. They're harder on the managers, which for good reason, because they get paid more money. They're demanding more of the managers, 
But it's easy to just tell the managers what to do, force things upon them, push them into situations that are difficult because they've always showed up. They've always kind of figured it out. So when they stop doing what you want them to do, it seems as if they're a disgruntled employee that they're trying to take down the business. No, they're trying to get your attention. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They're just doing it in a very teenage adolescent way by creating a problem. Most people have heard that, you know, bad advertisement is good advertisement. Lots of people had horrible career decisions and choices that actually was the best thing for their career. So as I'm listening to this, I'm actually kind of like assimilating this with the things we've talked about with the oldest child, right? Which we've always talked about, like here you have your oldest child, you hold them in the highest expectations. They're the they're the ones age two. You're asking them to get you a diaper for a for a six month year old. Exactly. They're they're making mac and cheese at six years old, (laughs) right? Like they're just they have to do stuff. It's it's so true. And so what you're saying is maybe sometimes they're not getting the extra VIP treatment that maybe they need as that trusted ally in the family. What happens when the person you like is not giving you the type of attention or the amount of attention that you want? Do you think it's possible that someone would create problems to get Um, that attention? Yeah, because they feel like, hey, I was here first. I've been here the longest. I've invested the most. So I think that you you should care about me the most. Now, let's say you're listening to say, well, my problem child's the youngest child. Well, let's flip it on the other side. The youngest child is really supposed to be the comedian and comic relief. They're supposed to be the one that's like helping out the family by being funny and this and that. Well, if you have a child who's unruly, whether they have ADHD or you know actual severe issues or not, they're providing a very important role for the family. If you have a child who's testing the rules, testing the boundaries, and using lots of humor and sometimes inappropriate and you get you angry, there's an underlying message there. That child is seeing the system of the family that they're being raised in is way too strict, way too stringent, and needs to be looser so that it can move and evolve faster. Hmm. And so those children, oftentimes the, old, the youngest child is called the, the comedian of the family. It, but if you look at it, they're watching the family as the stressed system that everybody's running around going, going, and they're looking at everybody going, dang, everybody's just chill the heck out. Like people need to calm down because people are too stressed about this, too stressed about that. So what they can provide is the comic relief. Hmm. They can be funny and make the jokes and they just notice that if they make everybody laugh, everybody's less serious. And if they're less serious, they're less stressed and conversations go better. Now, this is just part of what they can do for the system and they are not asked to do it. They are not told to do it. It's just, this is how human beings and family systems are created. Everybody goes, what's a role I could play? Oh, my parents need someone to learn how to play the piano, be quiet, not have an opinion and be perfect. I can do that. Because for some kids, that's easier for them to do than to tell funny jokes because they're not funny. For some kids, like I know how to score touchdowns, but not add how many touchdowns it equals. Like I can't add the amount of touchdowns. I can't tell you what that's going to equal, but I can score. (laughs) That was me. I was a kid. (laughs) And so in those moments, if they're feeling like other the kids are getting the attention or the type of attention that they wish they had, they are going to be more inclined to act out. Now, sometimes acting out could be simply shutting down and removing themselves. Mm-hmm. So instead of acting out, I call it acting in. 
It's mm. like backdraft. It goes inwards towards themselves. Their pain goes inwards. Those are the kids most likely to be the self-harmers. Mm -hmm. Now, the ones who are acting out, those are the kids who are more likely to stand on the table in classroom and dance and get expelled from school trying to make everybody laugh. They both have the same need. They just don't know better ways to go about getting that attention. And so what we want to talk about and what we talked about with those parents is how you can isolate time alone with those kids before there's a problem and you can install this hero's archetype inside of them, specifically with the older kids. Hero's archetype. archetype. So basically- No, he's I'm just, no, he tries to tell me he doesn't like to use big words, but archetype. Okay. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is that- if you have, okay, these are the three different parts of our personality. And if some of you studied psychology, like I didn't say that in psychology, but because I made this version of it up. I love the versions it. I, I love heard, the, the book of David, the versions I heard just didn't stick with me. So I had to create my own version because I specialize with the specific personality type disorder called borderline personality disorder. So for that, there's not a lot of good stuff out there. So it's like, you can just create whatever you want. People are like, we'll try that because we can't make them any worse. <laughs> a lot of times. That's a joke, by the way. That's not, if you heard our disclaimer, that's not counseling. <laughs> I don't really mean that for all, anyone that has BPD out there. <laughs> However, it's very serious and it's very intense. So you can kind of experiment a little bit. So what I'm saying is there's three parts to everybody's personality. Okay. There's a victor, meaning that's part of us wants to be the hero. There's a villain and there's a victim. And each one of those have two different ones. We did a podcast on yep. Victor, Villain, and, and Victim. So basically what that means is every part of us that wants to be a hero, there's two parts of the hero. One part is we want to prove to the world that we're worthy and we can do tough things and all of our critics are wrong and we're going to show them that we're valuable. That's called the zero hero. The one that feels like they're being treated like they're worth nothing, but they're going to show people. Okay. Then the other hero or the, the other victor is um, the just the hero. So there's the zero hero and the regular hero. These are all part of what I call the victor. That version, gives, giving you an example, is the person that everyone else in the family can't hold down a job. They're handicapped, something's happened, they've lost a job. And this person says, as much as it's gonna kill me, I'm gonna go pick up a second job. I'm gonna sacrifice myself because my family, my friends, people need me so I will show up. And then when they get the praise and stuff like that, it makes them feel good, but they did it simply because it needed to be done. And the reward was is everybody acknowledges that they are necessary and they're, they're worthwhile, they're meaningful. Now, that's just an example how there's two, there's a lot of complications to our own personality. But in developing someone and to help someone develop their personality because they've had a hard time figuring out who they were in childhood. Maybe they've had bad experiences. Maybe they've been bullied or shamed. And so their personality development is really stunted because they don't really get to express how they feel. They only express what they feel that they're allowed to share. They hide and cover up a lot. Okay. okay? And by the way, for those people out there that haven't studied a lot about psychology, personality development really in nuts and bolts means you have to cry when you're sad, laugh when you're happy, and your environment and your surroundings have to be able to handle that you can be happy even if they're not happy. Like you're allowed to have your own autonomy. You're allowed to have likes. Some families like, in our family, we don't like that sport. We only do this. Well, that's not really helping your kid figure out what their personality type okay. is. Okay, that's so, helpful. Yeah, so that just kind of sets the stage of, in all my years working with these different parts of people's personality, the victor, the villain, and the victim. There's only one of those three that I could successfully tweak and I can I can manipulate this version of our personality to do great things. 
it's not the victim. Right. Really hard to pick up a child that's pretending to be asleep and they go dead weight on you. That 50 pound child now is like a hundred pounds. <laughs> like, dang, like when they try to be limp, right? And like right. lazy, okay? And so you can't really motivate someone who's being a victim and you can't motivate someone who's being that hopeless, that help, that hopeful victim. I'm fine. It's okay. Nothing's wrong. You're like, okay, so I guess we're going to pretend that you're not a hot mess. All right. You know, can't talk to that person. With the villain, villains are like, they want revenge or they're plotting this passive aggressive attack later on in the future. Villains aren't, you can't motivate the villain to do things for the betterment of other people, but the hero. Everyone wants some sort of proof or validation that people wouldn't be as good without us. Even if they don't know they need us, we, need, we can prove to them that they need us. This is how you can, this is why I tell people to isolate the problem child with the hero mentality, the hero's archetype. You speak to them is the reason why you're isolating them, not because they're a problem, because they have such huge influence that they can help the family out, not because you want them to do what you want them to do, but they can help the family in what it really needs. Because a lot of a lot of kids will come and tell me, said, my parents would be happy if I just was the example they want me to be, but I don't agree with everything, so I'm gonna do opposite things. Well, doing the opposite things just causes a fight. Sometimes kids don't really need to do the opposite of their parents to make a point. That's just the only way they know how to do it. They don't want me to date this person, I'll date this person. They don't want me to do this, I'll do that. You don't choose what you really like. You don't develop your personality by solely doing something opposite of someone else. They chose for you. You don't even know if you want to do that thing or not. So when I say you can manipulate the hero, here's why you want to isolate the problem child. If there's a fight, if there's a problem, you don't discipline in public. You don't say those things in front of the other kids. You just sit there and say, listen, listen, I don't blame you for being mad. Let's just calm this down. You try to just damage control as much as possible. Once things calm down, you go to that child who's struggling and you petition to them. You don't beg them and saying, come on, you're killing me. You need to do this for me. What you start off with saying is you go to them and you say, listen, in the past, I would have been angry at you. I would have yelled at you. But I realize you're actually helping me. Just that statement right there is going to stop them dead in their tracks. They okay. may act like they don't, they're not paying attention, but their ears are going, wait, what did they are just say? Are you guys say? writing this down? Because this is this is one of these really important nuggets. Language. That, uh, that, Language is very important right here. What? Are you identifying they're the problem or are you identifying they're the only person that can help you create the solution? Your language has to say the latter. And this is a humble pie a little bit for a parent. And and Especially we if to, it's a parent that's never owned their own company that right. realizes if you yell at every employee, you will not have employees. So, you know, that whole, thank you for pointing out my blind spots. Thank you, know, whatever. Okay, so keep going, keep going. I just want to make sure somebody is like stopping and pulling yeah, over yeah. and writing you, down. <laughs> you acknowledge to them that without them bringing these things to your attention, without them, and most people say, well, that's not true. It is true. You just don't see it. You think that if they're causing a problem, that that means you have to stop the problem. You're not seeing that they wouldn't be causing a problem if there wasn't something out of order and out of sorts with them. Everyone loves individual attention. I say this all the time, but it still stands true. Try arguing with someone who's being agreeable with you. It's not a long argument, and it usually ends with, all right, well, okay, 
guess I'll, that was a good talk. See you next week. All right, see you next week. <laughs> There's not really anywhere to go with that because the person, even if you feel, I'm going to stand up this person, if your kid feels like, I need to let you know how I really feel about my sibling. You're a bad parent, this and that. Once they get all through it, if you don't interrupt them, if you don't try to you know, like stop them from feeling that way or telling you that, you can tell them, hey, listen, I want to hear what you're saying, but do you want me to listen to you or do you want me to get defensive? Because you want me to listen, let's go outside or let's kind of do this and let's talk about it after dinner. So you want to kind of mitigate that so it's not so intense because that's going to really be the determining factor. But once you get the emotions down. And I like what you you emphasized this even last night. Like if you have high emotions, your functionality is going to be low. Yeah. Just think about it like a teeter-totter. You guys remember before probably killed a lot of kids. <laughs> like those used to be things like I look at now. Like, yeah, you don't see a lot of those yeah, too much anymore, right? They really haven't been. If, they're a little bit safer now. <laughs> Point is, if you look at a teeter-totter and imagine a teeter-totter but on one end of the teeter-totter, instead of a child sitting there, it's your ability to logically and to logically process information. So it's your rational thought processing. Then on the other end of, of the teeter-totter, it is your extreme emotions, your passion, your drive, all the things that if tweaked in the wrong way could seem really bad, even though it comes from, you just care a lot, okay? So when one goes up, just like a teeter-totter, the other goes down. So if your intense emotions start to rise and go up, I don't care how holy you are, how much you donate your time to charity and how many homeless people you fed, you will say stuff at that moment that does not validate all your great life achievements. You're going to look stupid. You're going to say horrible things. You're going to say mean things, cutting. You're going to be like, it's be personal. So if you can stop that emotional moment, come back to it later. Everybody knows this, but if you can come back to it later and then you start off with thanking your child or just acknowledging that I know it seemed upset and mad. And I mean, in the past I really would have been, but I got to tell you, thank you so much because if you didn't bring this up to my attention, I wouldn't have known. They will be confused. They'll be like, is this really sincere, genuine? Once you get them to buy in that you're actually talking to them about how you need to work with them, then you can remind them of another simple truth. Because yes, it is true. You need them as an ally, not an enemy. So you're establishing we're allies, we're allies. They go, no, we're not. You hate me. Well, you know, if, or I, you know, you hate me. Well, if you feel that way, then I need to do better job at that. Because I remember when we were six years old and we're best friends. I remember when we used to always do this thing and you always helped me out. As soon as you start giving them tangible evidence of proof where your relationship was okay and you guys were working together, they may not validate and say, okay, you're right. You know, I'm being emotional and dramatic but they will remember. They will remember that they can be angry at you and hate you and they can still talk to you and work with you. It's not impossible. They've done it before. If you want to get the scrapbooks out at this point, this is the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so Remember this birthday party? Yeah. And so and so the next continuation step to that is once you're said and done, once you've put the relationship first, this is standard for Light the Fight and for David Kozlowski, once you put the relationship first by talking to them that they're, they're an ally and not an enemy, then you circle back around before the conversation is over. You can say, could you do me one simple favor though? Just, just do me a solid. You don't have to do this, but I just would really like it if you did. They'll go, okay, what is it? Because they know at this point you've done enough that they wanted you to do. You've heard them out that now there's this rule in the universe that says they just got to listen and take you serious for a moment. <laughs> but it's okay. Their ego can handle it because there's no argument or real big right. fight, right? Right. And then you just simply remind them, say, listen, remember when I told you thank you for telling me all those horrible criticizing things because in a weird way, it's going to help me. 
I would really be even more thankful if you just didn't do it in front of the siblings. I'm going to work on not yelling at you in front of them. Could you do kind of pull me aside, shoot me a text, tell me like, let's, we could even have a secret code, a secret password, like a symbol, have lots of parents do that. A parent walk by, they go ranch dressing. And that was the inside joke. I've talked about another podcast where they got in a huge fight where the cops got called. They thought it was domestic violence because the dad wanted ranch and she gave him blue cheese and he ate it. And she should have known after 30 years of marriage, he hated blue cheese. Point is their inside joke now is when one of them starts getting wor worked up, the other one just goes ranch dressing. And they remember, okay, we don't want the cops called. Apparently I'm a little bit louder than I really am. Pull it down a little bit. And later on, they can thank each other because they didn't put their personal laundry out there, their dirty laundry for yeah. everybody to see. But they did acknowledge how to, we need to reset. This is not going well. That helps the ego a lot. So we don't feel that trigger of shame. So just remind your kids, hey, listen, I love your information. I would just love it a lot better with less curse words, not in front of other people, whatever it was. And then you just kind of do it lightly. Like, so just do me that favor. And instead of asking them, will you now validate me and tell me you heard what I said, you understand you're going to do it. Just lightly say it. And then next time when they don't do it, say, hey, remember we talked about this. They're not going to say, well, I never agreed to that. Because you're like, well, you don't have to agree to that. You want me to respect you, right? Yeah. I'm working to respect you, okay? Well, I'm just asking you to consider doing the same to me. That's all. You approach this as you're a negotiable person. People will be willing to negotiate with people who've proven that they can negotiate. Right. Negotiation means sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you get a little bit of what you want. Sometimes you get everything of what you not want. But you know that just like pulling the slot machine in Vegas, by pulling it, there's a chance you could win. So we want your kids to see you as a partner so that they think there's a chance that they could influence you. If your kids believe that they can't negotiate with you, they can't reason with you, they can't influence you even when they're mad and they're emotional that you don't understand them and what they're really trying to do, well then why would they follow your leadership if you get constantly, if you constantly get overly emotional when they're emotional? So if you can show that you don't get, you don't always have to get emotional when they're emotional. Now, when you're telling them, do me a favor, don't yell at me, you have weight to what you're saying because you didn't yell at them at that moment. Even if you yelled up in the past, we had a lot of those questions. What if we screwed this up so many times in the past? How do we go in and get our kids to trust us again? You do the exact same thing. You just have to plan on doing it longer and more consistently to, to, to correct or uh, to rebuild your, your, um, your reputation. Uh, in our parenting partnership agreement uh, workshops that we did past couple weeks, I kept on making the point to parents, you have to acknowledge whatever reputation that's negative you have with your kids, own it, confess to it, say, you know what, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, it wasn't my intention. Don't give a lot of excuses. Well, you know, my mom was this way too, and technically I'm a lot better than her. No one's gonna give you a prize for being better than your mom. <laughs> It, she, that's what it's supposed to happen. You should be better than her. Otherwise, she's not going to be happy. No one's going to be happy. So once you acknowledge that all their complaints about you are valid to some degree, then in the future, whenever they throw those complaints about you, say, yep, you're right. I do have an issue with that. And remember, I need your help. So what would you like to do to help me? Would you like to make fun of me in front of everybody and make jokes at my expense? Or do you want to text me later and pull me aside so we can talk about it? There's no way your kids it. are just going to be, there's no way you can just say, you need to respect me. And they even know what that means. And they know what you're asking of them. You may say, well, I tell you all the time, if you just do your chores, that's respect to me. Well, I, 
to you, but they don't really know that that's the language of love you're looking for. They don't. So you just have to say, this is how I'm talking to you. I want you to copy and paste and send that message back to me. You're modeling. I love that. I, I think that you're accomplishing a lot of different things, getting on the same page. So there's some connection there. Um, you can't just, do it in public. You got to isolate right. the shame. The shame can't, the shame brews. Because remember, shame grows in the darkness and the shadows. As soon as you call it the shame in front of other people, it runs deeper into the shadows. It wants to hide even more. Now your chance to have a conversation with them that's going to be successful afterwards. <laughs> right. It ain't right. happening. Well, it is not happening. You know, one of the th one of the biggest themes that I feel like I've taken um, from my work with you, David, individually is that this concept that with our strengths, we compete, but with our weaknesses, we connect. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, parents, we have a lot of strengths and a lot of like dominion and, and responsibility, you know, we're over the kids, right? That's not, that's not up for debate really. Um, and so that's our, that's our strength. We're not going to, we're not going to connect there. So when, when we do it, own what our kids see as a, in us as a struggle or a weakness. And we say, you know, thanks for letting me know. Thanks for reminding me. And you're right. It hurts. To be honest, it, it hurts hurt. to hear you say it to me. Like you can say that too. It does. It, and, and I think acknowledging that and being in this place of weakness as a parent, that's where the connection is going to happen. It's not going to happen where you know it all. It's not going to happen where you're, doling out the money or, you know, being the one in charge. You know, there's something to be said when, because everyone's very familiar that it's not hard for people to trigger insecurities and our pain from the past. <laughs> right. All they got to do is remotely make us feel a similar way that other people have felt that have hurt us in the past. So if you're a parent, plan on triggering your kids. And if you're a teenager, you happen to be listening to this, plan on triggering your parents. You can't not trigger each other. But how do you respond to those triggers? Those triggers are really an invitation to better the relationship. But you would have to understand what's happening at that particular time. I don't put it on teenagers to understand what's happening in their very short experience on this earth of processing hurtful, painful feelings to go years without talking to someone and then be thankful that you're friends again. They haven't had those types of experiences. They, they haven't lived enough in life to recognize that these relationships are very fragile. And if we put time and effort in the relationship, more often than not, we're going to get some positive return. But if we just want people to respect us first and we're waiting for people to make us feel comfortable and respect us, we could be waiting a very long time. So when we talk about the modeling with the parents and we can, you know, we compete with our, you know, um, our uh, strengths and we can connect with our weaknesses. The reason why that's such a great reminder for everybody right now is you and your kids can relate on one thing. It's so close to what each individual, so they're a teenager, you're an adult, so much of your lives are different. But the one thing that you can relate is that that person has your heart in their hands. Your kids can crush you and they can lift you up like nobody else on this earth. I mean, it's- <laughs> There's no true statement. Power. They have this power. Yeah. Well, guess what we can do as parents to them? Same thing. So when we're feeling weak, when we see our kids are feeling weak, that's the best opportunity not to fix them, not to correct them, 
but to acknowledge that we're in a very similar situation too, just to bring ourselves down their level. So that's why when you confess something, you tell your kid, hey, listen, all those complaints you have of me, those are valid and warranted. I bet you're tired of me telling you that you're lazy or you don't follow through, whatever your issue is with them. Well, guess what? You know how I know that? Because I'm I'm sure, or because I'm tired of feeling like I'm this controlling mother that everybody thinks that I just want control and I actually don't love you guys. So instead of me telling you that I want you to stop being lazy, I want you to stop doing those things, which I want you to do, of course, but maybe I just need to change my reputation with you. If I'm less controlling and I'm really working on that and you see that that's hard for me and it makes me very vulnerable and uncomfortable, then guess what? I'm just like you now. You're constantly trying to work to get my approval to see if I'm okay with you. Well, then I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the same effort and acknowledge that you have the ability to crush me. You have the ability to hurt me like no one else. And you also have the ability to make me feel prouder than anyone else. So if you just take that off the table, we get manipulated as parents because they have this influence over us that they could really make us look bad to the rest of the world. But if we just say, hey, listen, if you tell the rest of the world, I'll validate you. You don't have to screen. You don't have to press send on all those horrible tweets and stuff you want to say about me. I'll, I'll actually, if you want, I'll go on my social media. You're just trying to make a statement. I'll go on my social media. So yeah, what they said, there's a lot of truth to it. I need to work on that. Because if you say that, then there's no reason for them to send it. They just want you to see what their real complaint is. And if you don't see it, then they want the world to see it. So we don't want them to go to the world to deal with an issue with you. We don't want our teenagers to go to social media to deal with an issue with their neighboring friend that they right. could have just went next right. door and talked to face to face. Right. Well, one thing that I want to I want to say before we end is that you know I have I have five kids, and each one of them is their own little <laughs> universe. And even though, like specifically the the Corey thing has created. A, a whole different world for us, really. Um, if I just give all of my attention to the Corey thing, I mean, even though Corey's not here, <laughs> he's this big part of our life and and still has a presence in our home. Um, if I let all of my effort and sadness and angst be wrapped up in Corey, which I've been accused of, then we can really create some other problems. And so even though there may be one child that is super demanding, outwardly demanding, causing problems, requiring that effort, that doesn't mean that that the others don't need that individual hero, I can't remember what you said. Oh, hero's archetype? <laughs> archetype as well, just maybe in different ways. And so... Yeah. I think that we as mom knows the and dads, the hardest thing that the most demanding thing of us is to create individual connected relationships with each and every one of our children. And we, we listen to the sound bites on the news that say, here's how parents can connect with their kids and, you know, take them on individual dates, do these different types of those things. And those are all accurate. And we know that those will help. But it's really hard to think like that in the middle of chaos and constant problems. When you're just doing damage control, you're not thinking of, oh, I'm gonna take the next six months to establish this trusted relationship so now a year from now we won't have this issue. You just want it to stop at the moment right. and that's not realistic. 
Nobody changes patterns overnight. Nobody changes habits. And there would have to be an incentive for it. And for you as listeners and as parents, you have the perfect incentive to partner up with your teenager, to let them know that you see them as an ally, even though in the past you've acted like they were the enemy. Take ownership. So you know what? If you're mad at me and you're very critical of me, well, guess what? Look who you learned it from. I'm mad and critical at you a lot, but let me tell you a little secret. It pales in comparison to how angry and critical I am of myself. Mm. So I have to work on that so I don't keep on dumping it on you. Because if you're angry and pissed off because you made mistakes, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's good that if I'm angry and pissed off because other people made mistakes that were my fault. Like that, that doesn't feel good to me. So if I own that it was my fault, then I get, now they have a chance where they can own their part in it and then we can come up with a better solution. But if I'm trying to make sure that you know that I'm right, technically I'm always going to be wrong. Having to be right is always wrong. <laughs> we, we all have friends like that. Maybe we've even been that person. Because there's something about having information and having the right information, the right answer that gives us this sense of like, I know something, so therefore I have the qualifications to tell everybody what they don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that may mean you have intelligence, but it means you seriously lack wisdom. Wise people rarely often give people information, intelligence that they're not asking for. Wise people a lot of times pretend like they don't know what's going on because that person just needs more time to figure it out. Wise people aren't always trying to save everybody and answer everybody's question as if it's a life-threatening question because they have a lot more life to live and they can figure it out. They just need the support. They need the comfort and they need to feel like they're an ally and they're helping someone. You're a kid that's problematic. The one big complaint that they could say is that they always look like the bad guy. And you may say, well, it's because you are, but the reality of it is, the reality of it is if they feel like that's who they are to the family, oh, they're going to act accordingly. So if we tell them, no, you're the ally, they're like, no, I'm the enemy. And you keep on treating them like the ally, eventually they go, ah, maybe I'm not that bad after all. You know, I posted this quote on my Instagram this week. I, I ran across it on Pinterest. And it said, we repeat what we don't repair. Yep. And um, some of us are, got a lot of repeat offenders going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of repeat offenders, yeah. Um. And so these relationships, they require repair. They're not just, you know, it's not just going to go, the problems aren't just go away. It's not just going to automatically get better. And if we think our mechanic took a long time to fix our car, <laughs> it'll be really oh, frustrated with my oh. processes and the suggestions that I make. There might, there might be some, some truth, some personal truth in the mechanic. Oh, it's reference. a whole lot easier to call in for a new part than it is to... Take it apart. To take it apart. Take a break look down at the relationship. It. Start all over again. Yeah. I apologize. I overbilled you for the last service I gave you. <laughs> Said it was your fault. It was really my fault. Right. You know, I really quick to end this up. I I truly believe. You tell me from the from the people that you witnessed last night. I did this for Harriman High School two weeks ago, and then last night I did it again. The first week there was a millions of questions. People were just <laughs> hyperventilating. Last night, once they actually started to do some work, fill out worksheets, talk to their kids, do all these steps, they actually had better questions. This is a learn as you're going. You don't get the luxury of having reassurance that it's going to work before you start it. Same goes it's with the true. job, with it's the true. marriage, <laughs> with well, anything. Here's the thing. People came into this with, with, with the unknown 
A lot of fear. Right, a lot of fear. Well, here's what happens when you actually broach the conversation and you start taking the shame out into the light. I call it the caliper test. So, you know, the the, the BMI? Yeah. You go to a personal trainer. Yeah, and the, they, just call it what it is, the fat pinchers. Okay, the fat pinchers. <laughs> Everybody knows, like, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. And they're, okay, take off your shirt. Let's take before and after pictures. Let's do all your measurements. And at that point, people go... You know, I forgot I had a thing to go to. Right. I don't, have, I don't really have time to do that right now. And not literally everybody does it, but that resistance right there is like, wait a second. The first thing you want me to do is to expose my own insecurities and shame and the fault that I'm in it because I can blame my past. I can blame my parents. I can blame the breakups. I can blame I, all these are real valid reasons, but the solution means I have to acknowledge where my blind spots are at, the things I don't want to talk about before I expect to make any real long lasting change. Because if I don't get on that scale and look at it, I can't be like, what? I didn't make any improvements in the past month? You didn't measure it. And you know what? That what you just said to, to me is the most important message that we can continuously repeat to ourselves is that we gotta, we gotta take a look at ourselves first. Every, every time, every time. And I'm thankful for that process in me. And sometimes when you look and you keep looking, you keep finding things. Um, but there's nothing better than a solution that you can put in action right now, which is I, th I feel like is really what we, we got tonight. Take that time to thank your kids for what they're bringing to you let them know that what they're doing is actually helping you. That's going to start the connection right there. And this is a long-term investment. And like any long-term investment, we're not expecting a return on the investment in the first 30, 60, 90 days, because that's the definition of a long-term investment. When you do that savings account and you get like two cents, your, your interest yeah. is two, like, two cents what? a month. You're like, what am I doing? What? It's those people. <laughs> and it's, we all want to keep score. And when we keep score in our mind, we always feel like we scored more points and they didn't do enough for us. Yeah. But, you know, as you know, someone's got to go first. So you be the person, take your kid aside, preferably before there's a blow up, acknowledge this, confess that, that some of the reputation is accurate and they probably don't like being told. So all the things you've joked around, criticized with them, tell them that you're going to stop saying those things in front of people as a way to motivate them because you wouldn't like it if people did that to you. As these words come out of your mouth, you put a period on that sentence, pause for a second, and you will feel a strong validation in your DNA and your body that says you are not a hypocrite. It feels so good when parents say that and they let go of it, then all of a sudden they see, wow, I'm free now. I don't have to defend my stupid little behaviors and weird personality glitches that everybody's made fun of me about. And now I'm acting like it's just my kid that's pointed out. No, I actually hate it because I know that's an, error, an <laughs> issue of me. And instead of defending it, you got me. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on. Yeah, yeah, so good. Well, thank you, David. And I gotta thank you for coming to Pinners. It was, it was, it was good. It's it was always, great. it's I always good it. when we can yeah. um, bring our listeners together and and actually see them. Um, well, and and thank you too, Heidi, and thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for being willing to be our perpetual guinea pig. <laughs> 
constant, you know, uh, laboratory. It's like, hey, try it on me. <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. I'm, I haven't run out of problems. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, we'll just make some up for you. No That's one a knows great the difference. Idea. Like, That's yeah, a great I would believe idea. Heidi would have that issue. <laughs> Sounds like something she'd be going through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks again for all your guys' continued support. Remember that you can go if you happen to listen to us on uh, Apple and you can give a review. Five stars, four stars, below four stars. Just don't say anything <laughs> at all, please. <laughs> now you're going to be like, I'm going to really complain about that podcast. And just let us know what you think. Um, it helps it for people to easily find us. We're not big on the sponsorships and advertisements. So we just ask that if you like it, share it. And if you don't want to share it, that's cool too. But uh, as Heidi would like to say, and she always says before we uh, close it up. Thanks for helping us light the fight.